One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lie. Living, loving, laughing. We're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We got a hot podcast for you today. Uh, I'm going to talk about, um, I don't know, country music. I'm going to talk about the Grand Old Opry. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about other cool things. This is uh, the We're Having a Good Time podcast. All right, Hannah's not going to be with us today. She is in Toronto. Uh, she left. Uh, she went to Ann Arbor, Michigan last week and then drove to Toronto from there. Uh, I hope she's coming back. Uh, she said she's coming back today. We'll see. Hannah, she gone, she gone, gone, gone. Hannah, she gone, she gone, gone, gone. Obviously, I'm joking, but I realized that as I said that, uh, it sounded sad because it's uh, it's eight. It's nine a.m. I just woke up and I'm like, dang, I got to do the podcast because I got a lot of other stuff to do today, and I've been procrastinating. I've been hanging out, doing nothing when I should have been recording a podcast, but I kept being like, nah, I'll get it, I'll get it, and uh, I kept not getting it. So, very exciting week. Very exciting. I mean, we did, uh, let's see, we, let's just get right into a where we've been, where we're going segment. That way I know what I'm talking about. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Uh, this weekend, this week was the Nashville Comedy Festival. Very busy week. I had management in town. I had agents in town. I felt very popular, very famous. Uh, and uh, it was uh, honestly more than I'm used to dealing with. And uh, I love it. But it is uh, a different thing. You know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of talking. You know, I'm used to... I'm used to doing a show, selling my merch, maybe a couple of people wanting to talk, and then going to my hotel and doing nothing. And I've been talking. I mean, I have been talking. The last couple of days was just decompressing, letting it all out, just just really just taking it in and, you know, playing video games on my phone. That's what I've been doing. And uh, I realized that I consumed myself with two days of playing this game on my phone. I mix some other things in between, but and then I'm just like, I need to delete that game. But I'm like, I've come so far now. I've built this whole town. 
and uh, but I got to delete it, so I'm deleting it today. And if you listened to the podcast last week and you never saw videos pop up, and we kept talking about, hey, we're recording this one for video, and then you never saw it, well, that's because we got frustrated with it, and it's it didn't happen. We, um, oh, I don't know what I just did there. I hope that didn't mess stuff up. But we, uh, yeah, we, 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 something happened. Uh, apparently they don't record at the same speed. I don't know how that works, but we would match the audio up to the video. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, it would be unmatched again. So we just gave up and I deleted that file last night. So Nashville Comedy Festival, Wednesday, I had my show, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show at Zany's. It was a packed house, not sold out, but it was a packed house. I don't like to lie about it. And it was pretty awesome. I had some great comics on it, and then I did an hour in front of a, a, a pretty fun crowd, and I had a great time. And then Thursday, I judged a uh, battle roast or roast battle, roast battle at Zany's. Um, I wasn't that into that. Uh, I know that people are, but the show was way too hype for my type of comedy. So, and I just thought for some reason that it'd be I'd be sitting up in a booth or something, just writing things down, trying to figure out who won the competition. But uh, that wasn't the case. I was sitting right down next to the stage. Me, my manager, and uh, Adam Dread, uh, who hangs out there at. Zany's quite a bit, and we were the judges of the roast competition. So these people would come up on stage, they would say mean things to each other, and then we would have to say who was the best at saying those mean things. Uh, meanwhile, every time someone said a joke, they had like 10 people on the show that would just go crazy and like shoot confetti and do uh, weird stuff on stage, and I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but... Overall, I think the audience enjoyed it. I think that, uh, you know, it's just me that didn't. I think the audience had a good time, except for this one lady that they gave a lap dance to and then poured water on. I don't think she was having that good of a time. But the, uh, but I mean, you know, I say it wasn't that fun, but it was still a comedy show. I still laughed. I still had, you know, I still had a good time. And then Friday, I got to return to the Grand Old Opry. And this was great. I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was nervous the first time I did the Opry for some reason. I don't know why, but I just felt comfortable in there. It's such a good environment inside the Opry that I didn't feel nervous. And so the second time around, I felt, you know, even less nervous. But there was something inside of me that was thinking, you know, they liked you so much the first time that they invited you back don't mess it up now, right? And that was in my head. And I didn't want to do all new things, but I did want to repeat some stuff. And I also wanted to do a joke that I thought might be a bit edgy for the Opry, but I was assured that it would be fine. But still, it was it was lingering. And as I got to the punchline, I was like, oh no, oh no. And then I hit it, great laugh. And then throughout my eight-minute set, I got two applause breaks, and I didn't get two applause breaks the last time I was at the Opry, so this was just, I just amped it up, and man, it feels good. I mean, I up until that moment, I have not known what it's like to have 4,000 people give you an applause break, 
But now I do. And I don't say that in a bragging tone. I'm not like, ooh, I got, you know, because as I've said with comedy before, I don't know how these things happen, right? One of these jokes was a joke that I do quite often. And it's a, it's, I love the joke. I think the joke's very funny. But it, it gets a pretty mediocre reaction most of the time. The joke is, I'm just going to tell you the joke. The joke is, I used to sell pesticides. I sold to Lowe's and Home Depot, and people would come in there, and they would ask weird questions. They'd be like, I'm looking for something organic. I'd like to kill the insects but not harm the environment. I'm like, well, how about a shoe, right? And I think it's a great joke. I love the joke. I think it's very funny. And I'll explain more why I think that joke's funny. But it got an applause break, and I was like, wow. And then I went on, and I did some waiting tables jokes, and then my joke where I go, hell, you can leave right now. Uh, that got an applause break, too, which feels good. I mean, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not the applause break king over here, so I don't get a lot of them. So when I get them, uh, I like to talk about it. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't get clapped or I don't make any points out there. I don't, I don't go, and you all agree with this. I think um, me making a joke about how stupid organic pesticides are in front of a Grand old Opry crowd is the closest to me being political on stage <laughs> that I've ever been. And uh, it's a good time. I mean, I'm just having a good time out here. Um, and so that was all very exciting. I hope to return again to the Grand old Opry. And then I went on Saturday to Zany's, back to Zany's, and I did the brunch show with Laura Peake and Brad Sativa. And I had a, a, I did a completely different eight-minute set from the Opry. And it was incredible. It was the best brunch I've ever had. I mean, I was on fire this week, and it felt good. And then I've been writing a bunch of jokes since then, and I am just... I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So, that was my week of comedy and then Hannah went to Ann Arbor, Michigan with Jimmy Pardo to do shows and I think they went pretty well because on Saturday she actually sold merch. She got she got her merch out and she sold a few t-shirts, made some money, felt good about it. Even I even saw some guy tweet at her uh wearing the shirt. So I was like, look at that. All this time, you've not been selling shirts. We got a closet full of Hannah Hogan Canadian famous shirts, and there's there's a market out there for them. People are dying to get those shirts, and you're keeping them from people. Let them people have them shirts. And where are we going? This weekend, I'm going to the Grove uh, in Lowell, Arkansas. I've been there before, and I'm told that these shows are already sold out. But if you live in Lowell, Arkansas, you might follow up, follow up with that. Check that out because I'm told they're sold out, but I don't know. Go ahead and check it out because if you're trying to get to that show, I want you to get there and come on out. And if you, if you are in Lowell and it is sold out, but you still want to go, hit me up, dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com. And I'll see what I can do. Because if I'm coming back to Lowell, where I've been twice to the Grove, and I like it there a lot. So if I'm coming, I want you to come see the show. 
And then Hannah has got two shows in Nashville this week. She's going to be at... I just talked to Hannah. I had to stop the podcast because she called. She is coming back. Update. Hannah is returning uh, to my life and to Nashville. So she'll be at uh, Southern Grist Brewery in Nashville. And then I think that is a... Oh, and then Comedy at Urban Winery. I think those are both Connor Larson shows. Connor's doing a great job with shows in town, uh, so go check those out uh, because uh, he's doing a great job selling tickets, uh, actually uh, having people buy tickets to local shows, which is great because uh, buying a ticket, even if it's a very low price, is always better than a free show because free people don't pay attention. I know even from my own experience, right? I get to go to comedy shows for free. I couldn't tell you when the last time I've actually paid for a comedy show was. And uh, half the time I don't care. I'm in there. I'm like, this is free to me. I can talk to my buddy. I can play on my phone a little bit because this is free to me. But if you pay a little bit, you're like, oh, I'm a little invested now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this thing. And then Hannah will be at Flywheel Brewing in Elizabethtown, Kentucky on uh Saturday, 420. The official 420. The day that everyone likes to smoke weed for some reason. I don't un- I never understood 420, but that's what it's about. So it could be wild in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. So that is where we've been, where we're going. And uh on the road. They're on the road again. Henning Dusty are on the road again Telling super funny jokes to all their friends Henning Dusty are on the road again Yeah. This weekend, uh, I'm going I'm gonna get flown to the Grove. The, the guy who owns the Grove is also a pilot, and he wanted to come to Nashville to talk to, you know, I guess music agents and stuff because he's doing a lot at the Grove. He's got a lot going on. He's doing a lot at the Grove. So he flew himself to Nashville on his own private jet. And then he's picking me and Dan Whitehurst up because Dan Whitehurst is featuring for me. Even though Dan Whitehurst is already headlined at the Grove, he agreed to feature for me because, well, we like hanging out. And uh, it'll be a fun weekend. So... He's going to fly me and Dan uh, back to Lowell, Arkansas. So if the plane goes down, if this is how I go, remember, I was going to be the best comedian ever, right? That's my legacy. Oh, if he just would have made it, how good would he have been? Mm. He was just on the cusp, right? But it's not going to happen. We're going to make it there safely. We're going to do shows. He's going to fly us back. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, but that's pretty exciting. I mean, I've never really had a personal jet fly me anywhere before. And uh, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting because the first time I ever did the Grove, I was pretty skeptical. Because somebody booked me. It was in some place in Arkansas. I don't think it was Lowell at the time. And I was just like, oh, this just seems like a seems like a bad gig. And then I got there, I met Bill. It immediately felt like not a bad gig anymore. And then uh, 
The shows were great. Richie Holiday was there featuring Richie Holiday, who Hannah mentioned last week. Used to come to my open mic in Charleston all the time. Then all of a sudden, I run into him in Lowell, Arkansas. Where is it? Bentonville? That's where uh, Rogers, that's where Walmart comes from. They're all right there together. They call it the NWA, Northwest Arkansas. So that's what I'm going to be doing this week. Uh, Tonight, I am at Zany's. I'm going to do the Yazoo show. I don't know how much time I'm doing, five to eight minutes, I'm sure. Uh, I'll be doing that. That's a good time. And car fights. Uh, Well, me and Hannah haven't been in the car together, so we haven't been fighting. But Hannah did have uh, an event in Toronto. She got there. Now, she has. she's Canadian, obviously, but she has Tennessee plates on her car now, Tennessee tags. So she was in Toronto, and she got to experience a little Southern discrimination that we experience that people don't realize, and it never gets any credit. But, uh, you know, the, the, the lanes had to merge, right? And Hannah said, and now when you're merging, just for people that are listening that don't understand merging, it's like a zipper, right? One car goes, then another car goes, then another car goes. One car from this lane, one car from this lane, one car from this lane. Like a zipper. And then you form together. It's easy. But people want to, you know, they want to let two or three cars in all at once. Or some cars are like, oh, you let that car in, let me in too, right? And that's not how it goes. But Hannah said she let a couple of cars in. And then she was like, all right, I'm done letting cars in. But this guy kept trying to force his way into her lane. And she wasn't having it. So she kept inching, kept inching. And then uh, and then the guy, I'm going to pull up her Twitter now. And then the guy yelled at her. And he said, uh, what did he say? Here we go. He says, uh so a dude called me a dumb southern uh, female dog. You know what I mean? And she said, I'm Canadian, you effing pedophile. And I love that she called him a pedophile. But he got into traffic. He did get in. And um, Hannah's Twitter is wild, at Miss Hannah Hogan, if you want to follow. She'll disappear for months at a time, and then she comes on, and I'm, I go on, and I'm like, oh, what's happening? But she's having a good time. I'm into it. I'm drinking coffee, having water. Like I say, I got, a, I got several things to do today, and I'm just trying to get it all in at once. I want to tell you about this stuff because it's been a very exciting week. Everything has, has been popping off, and I'm looking forward to things to come. The show tonight should be a lot of fun. At Zany's, 7 o'clock, comedy out the Yazoo. Hannah called a guy a pedophile for cutting her off in traffic, and I get it. I've been there. I've wanted to kill people at, at a merge. Brian Bates was riding with me on, on Saturday, and he's, he had I guess he had never really rode with me before. And he was like, he said, the stories are true. We were downtown, a lot of traffic. I was yelling at people, honking the horn. I don't even get mad. Inside, I'm not mad most of the time. I just, I'm just like, what are you doing? That's what's running through my mind the whole time. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So, uh, let's do a little co- com- comics that we like. These are the comedians we like. This weekend, uh, because it was the Nashville Comedy Festival, there were several comics in town. I got to go see John Christ's show. Now, John Christ's a friend. He's been on the podcast. He's done my show many times. But I've never actually watched his show. 
so, you know, he has on the show, he has um, Aaron Weber and Dustin Nickerson. Both of those guys did my show on Wednesday, and they're very funny. And so I watched, and John Chris has got lights and smoke machines and uh, music and videos, and a lot of it's a lot of production. But when John uh, actually took the stage, I really enjoyed the show. I was like, wow, he is really funny. You know, he does a lot of, like, really kind of, uh, you know, like really targeted towards, you know, Christian culture at the beginning. But then he really just gets into regular stand-up. And even the stuff that's just Christian culture, even though I didn't grow up that way, like, I didn't really grow up going to church a bunch. And I didn't, uh, I wasn't homeschooled. I went to a very public school. And uh, uh, I don't know what that means. But uh, it was, you know, I got robbed a few times. I got punched in the face. I got stabbed with a pencil. You know what I mean? And, um, the, um, but so a lot of his stuff is about, you know, kind of homeschooled and, 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 uh, knowing all the church songs that I didn't know. And, but even that, even though I don't know it, is still funny. And I just really enjoyed the show. And so if you get a chance, I mean, all of his shows are sold out all the time, but if you get a chance, go check out John Christ. And then some of the bigger people I saw, saw, you know, I don't know, I, I say bigger. Actually, John is probably, I heard that he had one of the highest grossing tours uh, ever. <laughs> so he he may be the biggest. But I just mean people that you've seen that have comedy specials that have been around for a long time. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, I saw him on Saturday night, really enjoyed his show, got to meet him. I uh, saw Jay Leno, uh, got to meet him, and I saw Jeff Foxworthy and got to meet him. Uh, all very exciting stuff. Uh, I got to see all of them backstage. I got to see all of them, what they're like before they go on stage. And I got to even see Jeff Foxworthy kind of, you know, just asking some of his people back there, like, what bits do they want him to do? And, you know, which seemed cool. And then to see... Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, even after the show, um, like, happy with his reaction, but also, like, people being like, hey, great show, and he's got this look that's kind of like, yeah, it was all right. And uh, that just makes me feel good because it's like no matter how high you get in the business, no matter how – you still want to know what bits people want to hear, and you still want to uh, have the best show possible. And it's like – I feel like people sometimes don't get that. Like my Wednesday show, I was uh, the Wednesday show went great, right? I did an hour, it went great. But in me, the show didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go. Now that now people take that as meaning that the show didn't go well, and I'm like, no, the show went great. It was a great show. I told my jokes, people laughed, I got some applause breaks again with the applause breaks, but I did, and. And it was fun. But in my head, I'm like, ah, there was some low points. There was some places that I wish was better. I wish this went better. I wish this went better. I didn't like how this joke hit. And that is, you know, something that, that I'm dealing with. And it was nice to see that Jeff Foxworthy, even after all these years, also still deals with that a little bit, where he's like, nah, it went good. I mean, the people liked it. They're not mad. They're not going to ask for their money back. But I'm sure in his head he was like, I wish this would have hit harder or this hit harder. And I just enjoyed seeing it because it's a real side of someone that is a megastar. I mean, 
Who knows how much money Jeff Foxworthy has. At one time, he was the highest grossing comedian ever. And uh, so, only to be passed by uh, Larry the Cable Guy. And I think Kevin Hart popped in there. Uh, Sebastian actually may be up there now, too. I mean, it's he sold out Madison Square Garden like four times. So, it's amazing the amount of money these people are making. I'm not, I always say I'm very rich, but I am not that rich. And uh, not even close, to be honest with you. I'm not even rich. I just say that out of sarcasm. In fact, <laughs> in fact, if I were rich and famous, I couldn't say those things, you know? I can't come out on stage and go, yes, I'm very famous, very rich. Who am I, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, you know? Maybe that's who I will be. That'll be, if I ever get rich, that'll be my new character that I play. I will, I'll have a hat, same hat, but it'll be made out of gold or uh, leather, like leather from a rare exotic animal, right? I don't even know how that works, but... What a great time it's been. So I'd like to, I was thinking about this, and I, I want to tell, I, I I got some stories that I, I want to try to start telling on stage, and I just, I want to talk about this one. This one may be gross, though. Story time with Dusty and Hannah. So I'm just going to try to tell it in the best way that I know how, and just see what people think, and I'm going to start saying it on stage, and just try to try to get it out, but it may be too gross. And it may, people are too sensitive now. It may seem like animal cruelty, but actually it, it, it was not at all. Uh, it was actually quite the opposite. But my dad owns a farm. My dad owns a cow farm. He raises cows. So my parents are divorced, and half my life I spent on a trailer park. They divorced when I was two, and then I moved to, you know, my mom got custody of me. She had full custody, but my parents had joint custody. So I would stay with my mom most of the time went to school in the town she lived in and then every other week would go every other weekend I'd go to my dad's house and then during the summer they would split weeks one week here one week there one week here one week there so um so I spent a lot of time on a farm and I would build fences and, and my dad's a very tough guy you know I would watch my dad uh you know we would be building barbed wire fences and he would like cut his arm and you know wouldn't even be like ouch he just would keep working, and I'm like, dang, you know, and I wanted to, like, cut my arm with barbed wire, too, but not in a weird, like, cutter-type way, but just, you know, on accident, but, um, and my dad, uh, so he, he raises cows, and what that means is, you know, you put a bunch of female cows in a field, and then you put a bull in there all of a sudden, and you let him go wild for a couple of weeks, and then you take him out and probably trade him with another bull, or he's back in solitary confinement, and then all the cows get pregnant. And then, you know, as they get, you know, you watch them, you see how they're developing. And then you, you know about the time that they're going to start having babies. So you got to keep an eye on them because most of the pregnancies go just fine. The cow just delivers the baby while standing up. No big deal. An amazing, it's amazing delivery. The cow's just standing there and suddenly the baby calf just falls out on the ground covered in afterbirth. The cow licks the afterbirth off of it and then maybe eats it, to be honest with you. I think the cow eats it, and which is pretty gross, but it eats it. And then the baby calf is almost walking immediately, and, you know, then it starts, you know, sucking, sucking on the, on the teats, and, and it's all good. Life's good then. 
but sometimes there's problems. And if a cow lays down on the ground, it could die. While it, during pregnancy, if it lays down, it could die. So we have to go find the cows. So one time we found one, and we were trying to assist it to get, you know, to have the birth. And the, and the veterinarian was there, uh, and we realized that the calf inside the cow was already dead, right? So chances of that cow coming out on its own were pretty slim. And if we didn't get it, then the other cow would die. So when you build a barbed wire fence, you have like this crank, right? And you can put one end of the wire into one little vice grip thing and then put another end of the wire into another vice grip thing and then you crank it and that tightens the wire. It tightens it so that you can then fasten it to the post. And so what we did was we tied this crank to a tree and then we needed to wrap the string or whatever we had, the rope around the baby calf. Now, the baby calf is still inside the cow. So I had I had the smallest arms because I was, uh, you know, a young child. And I had to reach my arm inside the cow. You know what I mean? Like in there. And I had to get something that I could pull out that we could latch something to. So I did put my arm in there, put my whole arm in there. And I got a little piece of the calf and we tied the rope around it. And then we cranked that baby cow out of the mom. And, uh, and it, it had died and that was very sad, but, uh, I, that's the whole story. Maybe that story's not even funny, but it, I meant it to be funny, but <laughs> it doesn't seem funny now. Like it's not sad. You know, the thing about raising cows when you have a lot of them, it's like we never were mean to the cows, but you also don't build a relationship with the cows. You're not tight with them. You're not out there playing, rolling around in the grass, you know. They're off doing their own thing. You're doing your own thing. Like, they're your prisoners in a sense, but they have a huge field to roam around in. Like, for the most part, they don't even know they're in jail. Like, a lot of times when a cow gets out of the fence, it doesn't even go far. Like, it'll get out of the fence and just start eating the grass right there. Like, cows don't they don't get out and go, yes, we're free. Like, I think cows, for the most part, enjoy being in captivity as long as you're not in some weird factory farm. I'm sure they don't like that. But I don't think cows are standing around going, man, I don't like this pasture. I think a cow just instinctively knows if it's malnourished or whatever. My dad takes very good care of his cows. I mean, in all of my time being there, that's the only time I remember something like that happening. That's why it stuck out in my mind, you know. I feel like I molested a cow a little bit while it was down, you know. And <laughs> and uh, so that's that. Uh, more exciting stuff by me. And then now what I want to talk about is my first, the first album I ever owned. We'll be riding wild five. My first album in 1991 was Brand New Man by Brooks and Dunn. First cassette tape I ever owned. 
it's a song. I don't know if you've heard it, but you know, it's it's a, it starts off with the guy's like, "I saw all the light. I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. I'm born to love again. I'm a brand new man." Right? Very appropriate for an eight year old. Could have been nine, depending on what part of the year. But it's a song basically about a man that used to be a player. And then he met a woman, and he's giving it all up for her. Like, she saved him. He saw the light. He was baptized by her touch and the flame in her eyes. And he's born to love again. He's a brand new man. He's changed. He met this woman, and he changed. So, one line uh, in the song, he says, I used to love him, and I'd leave him. Oh, I'd brag about my freedom, how no one could tie me down. Then I met you. Now my heart beats true, right? And I was eight years old singing that song like it meant something to me. You know what I mean? Like like I was relating. Like I was ready to settle down. Like this song had me at eight. I never even, I probably never even watched the late night Cinemax movie. And I was ready to settle down. I was ready to give it all up. Another line he said, at eight years old I would sing, I used to have a wild side. They say a country mile wide. I'd burn those beer joints down. That's all changed now. You turn my life around. I thought this guy was just going around setting bars on fire. <laughs> I mean, I'd burn those beer joints down. I was like, I don't even know what that means. But this song had me ready to settle down and stay away from fire. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't do it. You turn my life around. And uh, what a great song, though. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of it here. Um, 1991. Let's see. Here we go. Okay. So you got that part. Here it goes. You ready? The whole town's talking. The whole town. Everybody knows what he's been up to. That's the line he's walking. He used to really get around. He was doing some stuff. Lighted it on fire. Not anymore. Lost my matches. So this guy's been doing it. You know what I mean? I want to play the second verse, too. So I got to get through this chorus. I just love this. <laughs> I just remember having my little headphones on, oh, singing it with my eyes closed. That's right, baby. Mm-hmm. right on track all right okay so that song i mean in that song this guy has you know his his whole life has changed right and this was the album now back in the day now i i don't i'm not trying to date myself here but back in the day when you had a cassette tape 
you didn't get to skip around tracks. You didn't get to pull it up in your phone and see what, what, what tracks are on there, and then you just hit a button and play it. I mean, you had to tape, and you had to fast forward and rewind. So a lot of times what you would do is just listen to the whole thing. Instead of picking a song, you just listen to the whole thing. So the very next song is this song. Early 90s country. This was starting it off. I don't know how this song will start, but. Alright. Well, I just want to get to the chorus here. Right? The very next song, she's drove him back to drinking. Like, it didn't even, like, if we, if this album is a story of Brooks and Dunn's life, this guy couldn't even last one song. Like, he's like, I'm a brand new man. The next song, he's like, I found a brand new friend, if you know what I mean. And he's like, now he's, he's like, you drove me back to the bars. And it's like, well, she just rescued you. But uh, we also got this song off there. Remember this one? So, you remember that, Neon Moon. and uh, But really, I mean, all of those songs are great. I really enjoyed those. I had a really great time with Brooks and Dunn. I mean, they were my favorite for quite some time, you know, in the early 90s. 90s country is my jam. I mean, I like a lot of country, but 90s country is where it's at for me. And uh, with Hannah not being here to make fun of the songs, it's not as fun. I mean, it's fun for me because I just play country music, but you don't have anybody really over there to make fun of it. But this song is what really turned it up for Brooks and Dunn. Same album. Are you ready? Scootin' Boogie. I like in that song that he says, out in the country past the city limit sign where there's a honky-tonk near the county line, right? I lived all my life outside the city limit. Opelika was the city that I lived in, and then I lived on the Beauregard line. And the there was a bar out there called the Cock and Bull, right? People would call it the Duck and Run because they had so many fights. And when I turned 21, I lived in Alabama a short time after 21 before moving to Charleston. And we used to go to the Cock and Bull. And it was pretty wild. And it's like, it wasn't a boot scooting boogie wild. It was like, all right, like take it easy. I mean, you know, I met a couple of women in there, but I was lucky to make it out alive, I think. And uh, it said, uh, I got to be careful how I say this because this is not a race thing. So I said this to someone the other day and they were like, oh, gosh. When you walk in the door, it says, no colors. Uh, because meaning gangs, like you don't wear your gang colors in there. 
Uh, I said that to someone the other day, and they thought I said no coloreds. And I was like, oh, geez, like, yeah, it's Alabama, but it's not 1955. You know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about here? I mean, I don't know what people think's going on down in Alabama, but it is not that. Sorry, I just had to finish off that coffee. The coffee had gotten lukewarm, and uh, I wanted to get it down before it got cold. I'm trying to get a little boost. And um, so that's been really fun. And then, you know, while I was at the Grand Old Opry, I met Mark Wills. And uh, Mark Wills has been, uh, was very nice to me. I met, uh, and I want to play, you know, if you don't know Mark Wills, uh, very nice guy. And this is a song... Um, that he did uh, that I like. He's got a lot more, but this is one I one I, one of them I like. You know what I mean? See, I love a song like that. I love a reminiscing song. You guys remember Bucky Covington? Remember that guy? He had one song that I liked. This is it right here. Still here we are. It was a different world. Uh, I love that song. That's so great. I've been hearing that. Uh, we, I was talking about that. Connor Larson was at my house yesterday, and we were talking about that bikes without helmets. We've heard some comics who have jokes about like when I was a kid, we didn't wear helmets with bikes, and look at us, we're fine. And it's like, yeah, I get it. And uh, but also as an adult, like I, I spent two years riding a bike. I didn't own a car. I had two wrecks. I was wearing a helmet both times, and one of the times I hit my head, like I went face first, and I would have went right into my face had it not been for my helmet. And I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the helmet. If I had a kid, that kid would be suited up, right? Because it's wild out here now. It used to be real fun as a kid. I mean, we used to play in the woods. I wouldn't let my kid wander off in the woods like I used to wander off in there. I mean... Who knows who's out there now? I mean, back then, we talked about pedophiles, but I really think they're out there now. I mean, there might have been some when I was a kid, but they're out there now. I mean, it's wild. You're always hearing crazy stuff. So, anyway. So, I feel like I, I really ran through my brand new man and my um, my dad and the cow story pretty fast. I mean, it's hard to do this with no reaction from the uh, audience because I'm like, wow, that didn't sound funny at all, but there's no one here to laugh at. So and I, I wanted to play some Tracy Lawrence songs because that's who I've been listening to, but I feel like I just played a bunch of country, so maybe we'll save him for another time. Um, all right, let's do let's do an advice to comics segment. Advice, advice to comics. 
want to say this. I think that if you're posting videos, you know, and 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 you're trying to get booked, like, all right, this is the thing. There's a thing that I enjoy. There's a thing that I love. I love to film myself at bad shows and put that video out. I love it. I love for people to see me in a situation where it's not going well and I'm having to improv. I love it. But I don't think it's always a good look, right? Because people see that and they think, oh, you're not you're not getting good shows or you're not doing well, right? So if you're trying to get booked, you're actively trying to get clubs to book you and get on other shows, maybe don't do that right now. Just save those clips. Save them for when you are doing good and post them and go, look how bad I did back then. Because if you've got a bunch of bad videos out there, now I mean... If your punchline is groans and, oh, that's not a good video. Like, you need laughs. You want to end the video with explosive laughter. And if you can't get that, then maybe don't post a video at all. I mean, because you want to put your best foot forward, especially if you're trying to get booked. Now, again, if you're a hobbyist, well, who cares? Post your crappy videos, you know? But if you're trying to get booked, I mean, put your best foot forward and and do something that's good. And also, uh, if you're trying to record an album, uh, I, I think I've covered this before, but if you're trying to record an album, don't record a bad album. At least don't release a bad album. Like, if you, it's fine to record it, and then if it doesn't go well, just not use that stuff. I mean, I've done that. My first album I recorded three times. I didn't use the first two. My second album I recorded twice. I didn't use the first one. I mean, make sure you get something good because that's your thing that you're putting out. When people listen to it, you want them to listen and go, wow, this guy's funny. Or if you get it on any streaming service, you want people to hear it and go, this is funny. And it's like, honestly, you could have the funniest joke uh, on the planet. And if people aren't laughing behind it, as you saw with this story, about me pulling out a, a, a dead calf out of a, a cow. <laughs> if there's no audience, it's not good. That's arguably, that one's not good either way. But if there's no audience, it's definitely not good. So uh, that's just my advice. If it, I mean, these things that you're putting out, you're putting out for the world to see. And with the in the internet age, you don't get those back, right? It's like back in the day, you could record something on a cassette tape and people would pass it around and listen to it, but that thing's gone. But nowadays, it's like, if it's on the internet, it's never really gone. So make sure that what you're putting out there is something that you're proud of and not just, you know, some garbage. And, um, you know, because you, you're trying to get booked and anything that you do could hurt you. And, you know, Remember the posts that you make on social media. People are reading those. If you're trying to get booked on shows and you're frustrated by it, I mean, you know, look at what all you're doing. You know, look at your social media and say, am I being antagonistic? Am I looking like the type of person that's trying to start fights? Maybe that's why I'm not getting booked. You know, just think about those things. Use your social media for comedy and not for your political commentary. I imagine if you're a young budding comedian, uh, people aren't looking to you for your political opinion. And you don't have to share it. You don't have to make a joke. I saw people making jokes about a church burning down, uh, like a historical church. I'm not Catholic, but it's still sad to see old 
buildings like that burn down and people make jokes and it's like anybody that cares about that is maybe is not booking you now and maybe you say to yourself well i don't if they're that sensitive then i don't want to get booked there and it's like i agree with you but also also it's like i don't know maybe a good gig maybe the gig that leads to the next one they all build all these gigs build all these bookers build don't burn the bridges you know you have one booker today, then the next thing you know, you got 10 bookers, and then you're like getting all these gigs, and it's like they build, they slowly build. And it's like you may work with a booker for years to come. So burning a bridge now may seem like nothing, but it's like down the road, you're like, wow, all the missed opportunities I had. I, thankfully, as far as I know, I only burned one bridge with a booker, and uh, honestly, I don't regret it, but <laughs> it's only because other things went well for me. So it's like, once you start burning those bridges, I mean, then you're going to, you're going to, because what they say is, you know, you work the, you work the small gigs on the way up. And then if you make it big, you know, when your career starts falling, you work all those small gigs on the way back down and you coast through it. But if you burned all your bridges on the way up, you don't have those on your way down. And uh, so just something to think about. I mean, because comedy is a long game, as I'm told. It's like, you know, I've been doing it full time for since 2014 that's five years is that right i've been telling people way more i don't know what i'm thinking but i've been the other day i forgot my age somebody asked me how old i was and i was like they were like how long have you not drank and i was like eight years and they were like wow and they were like my husband is at seven and i was like wow that's great and then i realized that i quit drinking at 30 and that i'm not 38 i'm 36 so i'm very con- I, when I was a kid, people would, I would ask older people how old they were, and they would have to think about it. And I, would, I was like, "How weird is that? Why? Why do you need to think about how old you are?" I mean, it's like, but when you're a kid, you live by your age. I mean, people come up to you, and the first thing they say is, "How old are you?" And you tell them with pride, "I'm eight. I'm eight and a half, eight and three quarters, about to be nine. But uh, Nowadays, I mean, that's not how people greet me. People don't come up to me and go, hey, how old are you? And then I flash up my hands. I do 10, 10, 10, 6, you know. Uh, I'm 36. I'm this many, right? It's like, no, nobody asked me how old I am. And um, so I don't even know how I got into that. But the point is, yes, I've been doing comedy full time for about five years and, you know, I mean, a lot of these bookers I've gone to over and over and over again for new gigs. And had I been burning bridges along the way, now, it's okay to get mad at a booker. It's okay to be, to just, I mean, say whatever you want to say, but in the privacy of your own home, don't say it to them. I mean, I've had bookers that seemed very condescending to me through email, and I wanted to really let them know what I thought. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just say what I think to my wife, and then it be gone. And I'm glad I did that. Because it's not worth it. Burning bridges is not worth it. Never is. Never will be. Just let it go. Because people, you know those people that will say things like, I wouldn't let them talk to me like that. All right? Those people are the people that always get fired, right? They're always like, they're full of pride. They always stand up for themselves, but they're always laid off somewhere, you know? Because 
they don't, you know, it's like one thing to stand up for yourself, but it's another thing to just, uh, it's like, just take it easy. Like, all these things are not that big of a deal. Like, you don't need to stand up for yourself every time. Just just take it easy, you know? And that's what I think. I mean, people are too fired up, and uh, it's like, let's just let's just have a good time out here and not, you know, not be yelling and getting wild with it. I don't know. What am I talking about? You know, I had I had stuff planned for this podcast. I thought this was going to be a hot podcast, but I got nobody to bounce it off of. So I don't know if this is a hot podcast or not. I want it to be. I want all of them to be smashing hits. The greatest hits of podcasting. You know who I've been listening to? I listened to yesterday a pretty good bit, Jerry Clower. You ever heard Jerry Clower? I'm not going to play any of him, but I'm going to recommend a track. Because I played this for Connor yesterday, and uh, he really he said, I really thought I knew where that joke was going. It's called, um, it's on, like, you look up Jerry Clower. He's on Spotify. Jerry Clower's Greatest Hits. Um, it's called A New Bull. No, no, not called A New Bull. That one's pretty funny, too, though. Bird hunting at Uncle Versy's. And uh, bird hunting at Uncle Versy's. It's very funny. Jerry Clower's great. I mean, Jerry Clower's got, you know, he's just a story guy. Some of the stories he tells, it just get, he gets applause, right? He gets to the end of the story and then everybody just applauds. But it was a different time in comedy. But where it was, it was just a bunch of stories and it's all about him just telling it and being entertaining and whatnot. I guess that's what a story is now. But. It's very funny. It's one of my favorite bits uh, called Bird Hunting at Uncle Versy's. You'll think you'll know where it's going, but you won't. And then I also like um, Steve Martin off the Let's Get Small album. It's called One Way to Leave Your Lover. Very funny. Uh, I'm going to put together a bunch of my bits that I like because Sometimes people ask me who are my favorite comics, and I don't know that I really have a favorite comic, but what I do have are favorite albums. I have favorite bits. I have favorite things about comics that I like. I mean, I don't think that I really celebrate anyone's whole catalog, uh, to quote Office Space, but I do like some people's albums a lot, and I really enjoy them. I've listened to them quite a bit. Like, Mitch Hedberg, right? Big fan of Mitch Hedberg. But I don't – he has three albums. I don't love all three of his albums. But I do love his first one, which is called um, – oh, geez. What's that called? Oh, geez. What am I from? From Minnesota? Um, I don't even know what, what's going on with my accent. But the, the it's called uh, Strategic Grill Locations. That one's my favorite. That's an unbelievable album. I think that's hilarious. Uh, I remember the first time I got that. I got it from my friend John Brennan, and I was living in an apartment complex in um, and uh, in Charleston and Riverland Woods is where I was living. A lot like the apartment complex I was just living in in Hendersonville, except it was on James Island. So there was palm trees, and it was very close to the beach. And uh, but I had. My friend who I used to work with, and she was uh, – she came to my show in Atlanta. Amber Honeycutt was her name, and she came over to my apartment, 
And I remember me and her listening to that album. I mean, the internet existed back then, but it still didn't control our lives like it does now. So I think I only had MySpace. I didn't even have Facebook back then. And so we put that CD in a CD player, and we just sat there and listened to it and just laughed out loud. And it was really fun. It was really great. And uh, so I just, I love that album. But the other two, I mean, they're good. But it's like, for me to say that's my favorite comic, I don't think he is. But I, when I first heard Mitch Hedberg, I was like, this is the most unique thing I've ever heard. I've never heard comedy like this. And it gave me a new perspective kind of on comedy. And then in 2008, there's another comic. And I don't know that I would ever listen to his album because it wouldn't make sense, I don't think. But uh, I should listen to an album before I say that. But I went to see uh, Todd Berry and Neil Hamburger at the Poor House uh, on James Island in, in South Carolina. And it blew me away. I had never seen anything like that before. And it, it just gave me a new perspective that, that are, to me, it's all about originality with comedy, right? At finding a unique style, having unique jokes, having, having uh, a, a look and, and things to say that, that, are things that other people aren't saying. That's why it blows my mind that so many comics want to talk about politics is because I'm like, why? Why do you want to talk about the thing that everybody else is talking about? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, that's why I like talking about myself and I like talking about these stories because not every comic in the green room has helped birth a calf before, right? And that story may never be funny, but... It's those unique experiences that make our comedy good, that, that m separate us from other people. And I think that it's amazing, and I think that we should strive to do more original content because and, and, and find our own unique style. I mean, I don't mean reinvent the wheel. Uh, I, I have trouble saying wheel and will and stuff like that. I add in E's when there shouldn't be E's and I add in I's when there shouldn't be I's. But I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm trying to, you know, because you're still going to go up, stand at the microphone, talk into it, tell jokes. But finding different things to say, a different cadence, a different way to go about it is, is the way to go. I mean, if you're going out there and you're calling Trump orange, it's like, yeah, everybody's doing that. I mean, it's been done a million times. Like, even if you get a group of people that really agrees with you, it's like, it's not worth it because, you know, it's not original. Like, be original. That's my that's my advice. That's my thing that I'm going to say. And uh, come to Zany's tonight or come to the Grove this weekend. Go see Hannah this weekend. My social media is at Dusty Slay, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Dusty Slay Comedy. I may have taken comedy off. You'll find the fan page. And uh, my, my personal page is at Max of Friends. Every once in a while, I delete people. I'd like to say that, though. If you're a listener of this podcast and I've deleted you as a friend, <clears throat> I didn't do it because I don't like you. I, do it, I did it because possibly we haven't spoken in a long time. And we never have any interactions. And I just try to clear up space to be friends with more comedians. And so that's why. 
and then <clears throat> I'm using the fan page more anyway. Basically, the only reason I want to be and have more comedian friends is so that I can have uh, Facebook Messenger to contact comics whenever I need. I just think that's fun. I think what I'm going to have to do is go old school and start getting people's actual numbers again. But um, and uh, Hannah is Miss Hannah Hogan at Twitter and Instagram, and she has Hannah Hogan a Facebook page. I don't think she uses that at all. And then my website, DustySlay.com. Hers is HannahHoganComedy.com. And uh, check us out. Uh, I enjoyed this podcast a lot. I hope that you did too. I like I like doing a solo one now and then because I just like to be able to just talk. But uh, I feel like it took me a minute to catch my flow. But I got it here at the end. I uh, wish I had that at the beginning. But I don't have the time to re-record the whole thing. So I'm going to take off. Thank you, and we're having a good time.